Well, we are going to turn our attention now to Scripture. And as Pastor Moody has been working through um, the book of Acts, we're going to continue to see how relevant uh, these Uh, these messages are and the message of the Bible in this wonderful book. And so if you've got your Bibles, uh, would you turn to Acts chapter 4? We're going to begin in verse 5, and I'll read for us all the way down through verse 22. That's Acts chapter 4, verse 5, all the way through verse 22. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they, in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the, of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that notable sign has been done, for that a notable sign has been performed through them as evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they had further threatened them, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is God's word. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Josh. And we're gathering together again uh, virtually in this means. I just want to thank everyone who's making that possible. And the amazing uh, power of God's word is not constrained uh, by these circumstances, but I believe it's going to make even greater progress through our church, through many other churches, through God's people around the world. And that, of course, is of all of our prayers. Welcome to you. If you're not a regular at College Church, we're glad that you're here. And perhaps you're just uh, checking out uh, faith at this time as you focus on uh, real situations that are unusual to all of us, unexpected. Perhaps that's somewhat even shaking your world, and you're asking deep and profound questions, and I'm glad that you're here uh, with us too. Uh, 
The title I've given for the sermon this morning is Faith Under Trial. Faith Under Trial. And the situation that many of us are facing is uh, one where we're asking questions about our own worldview, our own faith. We all have uh, some kind of faith. Um, some of us have uh, faith in, uh, in money. We put our trust in our bank accounts, in our stocks and shares. Some of us have faith in, uh, in science and uh, knowledge. Some of us have faith in our, in our families, in our country. A lot of these things are good things, of course. But what's going on right now in the world is causing the very foundations of our worldviews to be shaken. And uh, we're asking questions. Some of us have a, a secular faith. Others of us have a, a merely religious faith. Uh, we believe in, in the institution of the church. We believe in God in some vague or notional way. Well, the story we've just had read out uh, carries on the narrative in the book of Acts where there's been this amazing healing as we saw last week and God did something extraordinary through the faith of the apostles and through the faith of the man who was crippled. But now they're brought under trial. The Sanhedrin, the religious rulers at the time, are threatened by the power that is going out through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's changing their worldview. It's changing their perceptions on reality, and they bring the, uh, the disciples into a trial. And uh, their faith is under trial. Though really, the point that Luke is making this story is that actually not only is the disciples' faith under trial, in a more and profound way, the faith of the Sanhedrin is truly under trial. And the situation we're in right now, all our faith is under trial. Is it truly reliable? Is your faith, whether it's a secular faith, a religious faith, a faith in money, a faith in your own ability to come up with good answers in complicated situations, your own intelligence, is that actually reliable right now? What is a reliable faith? And what do we do when our faith is under trial? We stand up, we speak up, we listen up. First of all, stand up. As Luke uh, tells uh, this story, he emphasizes the way in which these early disciples are standing. In the original text, it's emphasized in a number of different ways. It says it brought them, it brought them into their midst or made them stand with them. And then it talks about how this formerly crippled man is standing and they're standing there in front of the Sanhedrin who are sitting in judgment on their, on their faith in this faith under trial. Well, we need to stand up. How do we stand up? Well, first of all, we stand together. Now, of course, we cannot physically be together, but it is so important this time that we reach out through email, through the internet, through all the video uh, conferencing that we're doing through our small groups and other ministries that are moving forward. The church is moving forward. The church's community is moving forward online. We need to stand together. And they stood together. The two uh, dis uh, apostles are there, Peter and John, but so is the other man as well, the formerly crippled man. And no one knows why he's there too. And why is he there as well? But he stands with them and they stand with him. They stand together and we need to stand together even if we're doing so virtually and how sweet will be the day 
when we can stand together once more physically and actually and in person. You know, when I was on the mission field some years ago, and I could only worship in, uh, in another country, and the, and the language was different from my own uh, language. And when I remember the day when I came back to my home church, and I was sitting in the balcony, first time I'd been back in the church for a long, long while, and there I was, and as the service began, I was with God's people again, and I just wept wept tears of joy and there'll come a moment when we gather together again as God's people in this building and it will be a beautiful sweet time but right now even now we can still stand together stick together look after each other reach out through phone calls don't wait for someone else to tell you you can do it pick up the phone call your friends call your church member colleagues call those that you know email them how are you doing how can i pray let's stand together but also just stand you know many of us are isolated at home we are obeying as is of course completely right governor pritzker's order to stay at home And we may feel there's nothing we can do, but you can stand, just stand. And it's emphasized here in this passage that the crippled man, he just stood there. He didn't say anything. He didn't apparently do anything. He just stood there and you can just stand. And the Bible emphasizes the importance in spiritual warfare of just standing. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, tells them in their spiritual warfare to stand firm. Stand firm. Just stand. And right now, God's people around the world who stand in their faith are witnessing to the power of God. And it's my prayer that as we stand, stand together, as we just stand God will show that our faith is a reliable faith, that our God is a reliable God, that God is still on his throne. And though the world is quaking through one little virus, God knows all, and he is not quaking. He is not surprised. His plan has not been thwarted, and we just need to stand. So we stand up by standing together, by just standing But then we stand with Jesus. And those uh, early disciples, the Sanhedrin, when they were bemused by the sophistication of their answer and their ability to to be there in the court and stand together and just stand, they, they noticed that these men had been with Jesus. See, that's the secret. That's the source of all spiritual power. In the most difficult of circumstances, Stand with Jesus. You're never alone. Not if you stand with Jesus. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon was once asked what was the secret of his ability to achieve so much, to work so hard, morning, noon, and night, and to be so productive and so used by God. And another pastor asked him, how does he do it? How is he doing all this? And Charles Spurgeon answered, you see, there are two of us. Stand with Jesus. You're never alone. So what do we do when our faith is under trial? First of all, we stand up. We stand together. We just stand. And we stand with Jesus. But then also, they did more than merely stand. They also spoke. So we stand up, but we also speak 
up. And they spoke up spiritually. We're told here that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke spiritually. There's the great secret of any witness today as we speak through the internet, as we speak through writing emails and in the internet chat rooms and through video conferencing. The great secret is that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the secret of all effective ministry, that God would fill us with his spirit. You know, uh, in the last year or so, I've somewhat changed my preaching style. I'm no longer using a manuscript. And lots of people have commented on this over the last few months or so. And they said, are you memorizing your sermons? No, I'm not. I'm not memorizing my sermons. Someone said to me, I I think you must have a photographic memory. I, I told my wife that. She just laughed. I certainly don't have a photographic memory. Whether you use a manuscript or not doesn't matter. The secret is fullness, being filled, fullness with the Holy Spirit. I think it was Charles Simeon who every time before he got up to preach would say in prayer, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And would you say that when you're asked to give an answer for the hope that you have within you? When someone says, what is the answer? And you're struggling to find the right words. Would you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. What is the cause of this? What is God doing? God has not revealed that, but God knows. And we would not believe it if, if he showed it to us. For his plan is greater than possibly we can imagine. I believe that God is going to use this time to spread a great new message of hope and faith throughout the world. Our foundations have been shaken, but he has not been shaken. We need to be filled with the Spirit to be able to speak. They spoke spiritually, but they also spoke boldly. We're told that they spoke with boldness. And when you read through the book of Acts, every time, many times at least, whenever the disciples are described as speaking, it is said they spoke boldly, courageously, with boldness. Right at the end of the book of Acts, it describes how the apostle Paul was right there in the, in the center of Rome, the center of the known empire at the time, as the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus had promised would go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And in God's sovereignty, Paul could not have understood why he was arrested and why he had to go through a storm and why he was taken to Rome. But in God's sovereignty, there he was, not planned by Paul, but planned by God. There he was in the center of the known world at the time and we're told that boldly and without hindrance he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God and we need also to speak with boldness. Now is not the time for the church to be silent. Now is not the time for the church to have a quaking fear and uncertainty. Now is the time to speak with boldness. We know why there are troubles and difficulties in this world. We live in a fallen world. We know why there is disease and difficulty in this world. We live in a fallen world. This is the story of the Bible. We know why. And we have a hope. We have a resurrected Christ. There's a new heaven, a new earth, where there'll be no more crying or mourning or weeping for the old things will have passed and the new things will have come. Now's the time to speak with boldness, I tell you. Write emails with boldness. Get on the internet chat rooms with boldness. Have devotions with your family. You may say, I I don't know how to read the Bible. Look, open the Bible, read it. Ask God to fill your spirit and speak with boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ. Speak with boldness. They spoke boldly. They spoke spiritually. But they also spoke clearly. 
how we need clarity today. They were so clear. They said there's no other name given under heaven by which men might be saved. That's an interesting word it has there when it talks about saved. That word is also used for healed. And the crippled man who had been healed was right there among them. And they said there's no other name under heaven given by which men might be healed, given by which men might be saved. You know, we need to pray especially for our medical professionals these days, for our nurses, for our doctors. God uses modern medicine. Let's pray that God would give solutions to the medical health issues the whole world is facing, that he would give wisdom to these medical professionals and strength as they serve us in so many difficult ways around the world. But the ultimate source of healing, and even miraculous healing, as we saw here in the book of Acts, is only found in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. There is no other resurrected Lord. There is no other Savior. We need to speak spiritually, we need to speak boldly, we need to speak clearly. And this situation today is revealing the reliability of our faith, faith under trial, a secular faith, let me be clear, a faith in money, a faith in country, a faith in family, a faith in intelligence, a faith in science. Look, I, I think intelligence is important. I think science is important. I having, think having doctorates and PhDs is important. I have a PhD. I think it's a good thing. But I'll tell you this. I'd rather have a man who spoke clearly and believed the Bible any day of the week than someone who had a PhD and lots of letters after their name who didn't believe the Bible. We need to speak clearly. And right now, The clarity that we need to bring is that God is revealing how weak is our human ability to control what we thought we could control. We cannot control even a little virus. We are dependent upon God. May God, by his spirit, reveal that to you, that you need God, that you need the Lord, that you need his salvation. Would you cry out to him that God would do a great work in Wheaton, in America, and around the world, that salvation would be shown only in the name of Jesus as it is, that we would cry out to him. Last week we had a national day of prayer. Isn't it amazing? No one complained about that. We prayed. And this week, people are aware again of our great need in our own city. All the churches are going to ring their bells at the same time this morning to indicate a prayer and a reliance upon God, to indicate a hope, to indicate there is no other salvation. There's no other name by which we may be saved. There's no other name under heaven by which we may be saved other than the name of Jesus. Salvation is given to no other name other than Jesus. We speak spiritually. We speak boldly. We speak clearly. And when our faith is under trial, we need to stand up. Stand together. Look after each other. Just stand. Stand firm. And we need to stand with Jesus. We need to speak up. Speak spiritually to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak boldly and with confidence and courage. We know why this There are diseases in the world. We know why there are difficulties. Let us speak with boldly and clearly point to Jesus Christ as the great hope that we have, not only in this life, but in the life to come. 
And of course, what has been revealed right now is our faith in our own strength, our faith in our own intelligence, our faith in money and our own world system has been shown not to have an answer to the great answer that we all need. That is the answer to death. But we who believe in Jesus, you if you believe in Jesus this morning, you have salvation. For there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved other than the name of Jesus. Put your trust in him. Would you do that this morning? That you might be saved and have the faith of these early disciples that though it was under trial, it's proven over thousands of years to be reliable. Put your faith in him. So we stand up. We speak up. And then finally, listen, listen up. There are many different voices to get today, many different answers being given. My email inbox is probably like yours, filled with people giving answers to the situation we are in. They're even strange and weird and unusual and crazy ideas out there. People are trying to get our ears. They're trying to get us to listen. What I want to say to you is to listen up. Listen up. See, in those days right there, as those early disciples were in front of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, they tried to get those early disciples to listen to them. They were saying, listen to us, not to God. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Listen to us, not to God. But those early disciples said, no, we're going to listen to God, not to you. They listened to God, not to them. And ultimately, when there's a clash of worldviews, someone saying to you, don't listen to God, don't read the Bible, don't believe in Jesus, don't trust in him, we must say, no, judge yourselves whether it's right that we would listen to you rather than to God, but we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We listen to God, not to them. And then finally, we listen up when we're faced with doubts and insecurities and fears and even panic, and uncertainty, and insecurity. We listen up. How do we do that? We listen to the word, not to our doubts. Listen to the word, not to our doubts. See, that's what they were doing. They said, judge yourself whether it's right to listen to you rather than to God. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard, and we too, who have God's word, need to listen to it. When you're in difficulty, when you wake up in the middle of the night in insecurity and fear, when you're not sure what to believe or what to say, grab a Bible, take it down off the shelf, blow off the dust, open it up, and hang on to God's promises. There are so many promises in God's word that we can rely upon right now. At our elder council meeting just this week, we read from Psalm 91. This is a set of promises to hang on to at this time. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then the psalmist says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will deliver you. He will save you. There is no other name under heaven given by which men may be saved other than the name of Jesus. Hang on to the promises of God. Listen to the word, not to your doubts. 
We all have doubts from time to time. We all have fears from time to time. I know I do. I know each of us does. It's part of the human condition. We walk by faith, not by sight. But when you're doubting, when you're feeling insecure, will you do this for me this week? Listen to the word, not to your doubts. And so when our faith is under trial, it reveals the reliability of our faith. What have we been trusting in? Have we been putting our trust in money? Have we been putting our trust in our own achievement and success? One little virus blows the whole thing. And what it shows is only God is ultimately reliable. And even that faith we can feel is under trial. What do we do? We stand up. We speak up. We listen up. We stand together. We just stand. We stand with Jesus. We speak spiritually. We speak boldly. We speak clearly. And we listen up. We listen not to them. We listen to God. If someone tells us, don't trust in God right now, we say, well, what are you trusting in? I'm trusting the living God, the resurrected Jesus Christ. His promises are secure and faith in him is certain. And I trust in him. How do I know that? I listen to his word, not to my doubts. And we're doing all we can to get God's word out to you every Sunday. Also midweek, all our groups are going online and you in high school and junior high and small groups and all the different ministries we have, women's groups, men's groups. There are online ways we're doing it. And even this Thursday, this Thursday at seven o'clock, there's going to be a Christ and coronavirus Q&A. And it's going to be live streamed. And you can live send in your questions and we'll be sending out email about that so you get that. And you can send in your questions and right there and then I'll be answering the questions live because we want to listen to God's word, not to our doubts. Let me uh, bring this then to a conclusion with a final illustration. Faith under trial. Well, yeah, we've got to stand up and speak up and listen up. But you say, you don't understand what I'm going through. I've been reading about what's going on in Italy. And I'm I'm in great fear. I'm a medical health professional. You're telling me I've got to stand up, speak up, listen up. It's too much. It's too hard. I have two great insecurities. You know, one of the significant heroes of my life was a man called Professor Sir Norman Anderson. Professor Sir Norman Anderson was a world expert in Islamic law. And I got to know him in his, um, I think it was mid-80s. He was an elderly man by then. And I was uh, just a callow, young, undergraduate student. He was a senior advisor for the organization that I was running at the time. And I went to see him regularly to ask for his counsel and advice. And I remember going to his small apartment there in Cambridge where I was at the time. And sitting down with him and he would serve tea and we would talk. Bit by bit as I went back, I began to notice that his wife was not engaging as I would expect. And I found out that she had some sort of uh, Alzheimer's or dementia or something. And I observed how he was looking after her. And I was amazed. What a godly man. Not only was intelligent and brilliant, there he was giving witness to the love of Christ for his wife right there under pressure, day by day, night by night, serving tea to miss this 19, 20-year-old, giving me advice when his faith is under trial. 
And then I got to know the story of his life. He'd had several children. They'd been brilliant. One of his children was thought to be so, so close to genius in terms of his leadership and intelligent abilities. He, they thought he's going to be prime minister of the United Kingdom. Each of his children, one by one, had died. And there he was in his mid-80s with a wife with dementia, sitting down serving me tea. Faith under trial. What joy he had. What peace he had. For he knew that though those events were a surprise to him, they were not a surprise to God. He knew that God's plan was bigger and better. You know what we did? We had a huge event that we were organized at the time with thousands of undergraduate students coming together to hear the gospel. And they were thinking about who should give a testimony. You know, what rock star, what sports star should we get up there to give a testimony to these hundreds and thousands of young people? And I said to the committee, I know who we need to get up there. We need to get Professor Sir Norman Anderson. And he got up and walked onto the platform with his shaky legs, stood behind the pulpit, described how one child had died and then another and another and told that Jesus was reliable. Jesus had never let him down. And what joy he had. I tell you right now, that man standing, he stood up. That man speaking, he spoke boldly, spiritually, clearly. That man who had listened up, listened to God, listened to his word and God's word and not his doubt, that man had a profound ministry to hundreds and thousands of people. Same could be true for you. If you put your trust in Jesus now, if you rely upon him, if you realize that faith in money and merely human, secular ideology is morally bankrupt, instead put your faith in Christ. This can be the very day that God uses you in new and amazing ways as you trust in him, even faith under trial. Oh, Lord God, we pray that would be the case for us as a church. We pray it be the case for your people around the world. We pray, Lord, it be the case for those who are listening in uh, right now who are seeking out uh, meaning and truth that they will find that in you there is hope and joy and salvation. Oh, Lord God, use us for your glory, we pray. And even at this time, May our faith in you be proved reliable because you, God, are utterly reliable. And we pray these these things in Jesus' name. Amen.